the lie of English decline. It's based on the myth of the idea of we had this great Roman-style empire built up over the centuries, which was the intention of the English people during that time. The Romans, as Virgil said, were told from their birth that they were an empire of rule. And even looking at the etymology of the word empire, it's by conquest, with the distinct intention of this emperor and this nation. They knew from Augustine forward what exactly what they were doing. It's understood that's the objective, even if people earlier on might have said an empire of self-defense. This has been the case for all empires around every other thing. In our circumstance, we knew nothing of the sort. No one ever said anything about an empire up until 1898 was its first use. If you had spoken to someone on the street from the Diamond Jubilee onwards of Victoria, you asked him about the British Empire, he would not know what you meant. They would all say to you, you mean what em British Empire? You mean Scotland and Wales? Is that what you mean? And if you asked him about the colonies, he'd say to you, well, you mean New South Wales and, and Canada, <laughs> right? Which is where the English went, where the English are. Shakespeare says empire, I think. But he doesn't mean that. He means United Kingdom, England, Scotland. That's it. Just a quick interlude. Don't forget to comment on the video because it does really help us in the algorithm. And if you're getting something out of this content, do remember to check out the Greenwood website. There's members-only videos there, and we have a growing community on Discord. Every member counts. It's a, this project only works as a bottom-up thing. It's only sustainable as a bottom-up thing, so we really need your help. Thanks again for your support. I look forward to seeing you on the website. And the links are in the description. America, Canada, Australia are where the English went themselves. Not to conquer a place, they set up a place. Private indivi individuals, there was no crown that told them, go there and do this. It were private individuals who asked for permission to go to this place either to trade or whatnot. The same thing with the East India Trading Company. They asked for a monopoly, they're given over this, they're a company, a group of private individuals that went there to trade. But the people that ran out and the, and the commercialism that they got up to there with trading with and making deals with the Raj, eventually the Raj was lobbying the crown to intercede, to govern it in their stead. Right when you could possibly say that Britain and these overseas territories could be possibly considered an empire was the, when the Conservative Party ran with this idea they came up with, which is the British Empire, because they could make comments about the empire without having to actually change anything and do anything and, and stir up this idea in 1906. Only at that point where it was just reached the point where you could possibly even say it was so. This idea of the sun never set. And then people grew up from that period believing it. It, it wasn't ever in their value hierarchy. So this empire that we had all that time, Pax Botanica, whatnot, no one thought of it that way. No one intended it. No one is, no poets are saying it. It's not in the teleology. It's first mentioned after that, made an idea, and of course Kipling is involved in that as well. People, kings built them. Rome built them. We didn't do that. Any idea of empire or governance from England is a nuisance to the people that are the powers that be, even conservative leaders. And you can see in the letters of Disraeli, when he talks about Canada, he says, these bloody dominions, when will we be free of them? Because it's a pain to have to intercede when you've got your own nation to look after, your own navy, to have to administrate this other place. So it's clear in, in, when you look into the past and you read the letters of these people, quite literally was a 
commonwealth or an empire of accident. Who the hell, what hell kind of empire is an empire of accident? Oh, chaps, looks like we've stumbled into this crap again. <laughs> That's what happened. But, of course, people like Churchill fell in love with the idea. And this mythologized, and especially because of home rule. There was no home rule in Rome. It was Rome tells you what you're doing and you do it. From the top, from the emperor. When Victoria was called empress or whatever, that was one small moment of time at the end of her reign when India was involved. When it was taken over, there was no invasion. There was no defeat of Indian military. If no one intended to do something, and the whole power of the, of, of, of the English spirit is based upon stuff that has nothing to do with this land that is in the empire, then wouldn't you be under a false belief or illusion to think that you're in decline, that we've lost all this stuff, when everything that did it, the strength's all still there? None of that is whatever made us great. The point is that there is no decline in terms of English culture. The only decline that we've faced is based on this idea, is that we think we can't act as our forefathers did. We can't enact their procedures. Their te the teleology that is our destiny, the teleology that is deeply nested, in our, deeply nested in our history, we can't enact that. We can't act that way anymore because we're in decline, because it all dissolved. You see, what do you mean? We were nothing when we acted that way. We're this small nation. What's changed? What's failed? Because it never says anything about going out into make a Roman-style empire. Same with industrial decline. We invented all this stuff. The Industrial Revolution happened fast. Explosion of growth. Other countries start adopting it. Our growth goes down. Suddenly, oh, we were the workshop of the world. No, it's just other places had the technology after that. This idea that you have to keep up the same growth rate as other people post-World War II. West Germany, Philippines, whatever. No. The economy was already developed. Same with the United States. As you can see in letters as well from the different, from how, when they're researching why is the United States growth rate, it's, it's also a mentality. It's because Britain made, tried to make stuff to last. That was in the, because of the shipbuilding before the Industrial Revolution was that idea that that ship's going to exist for 100 years or to last is what slowed down production. America, their ethic of invention is, oh, there's a new invention going to come along. We're not going to make it perfectly. We're just going to do what we can for now. And then a new thing's going to come along anyway and replace it, and that's sort of consumerism, which is where it comes from, America. Nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is. Different style, though. is That's the reason for it, how it performs differently. So it's a myth. The industrial decline is myth. So it ended in 1960, yet it was only invented, the idea, 70 years before that. <laughs> I say, what? Oh, that's decline then, is it? So it ends 70 years after it was invented, even though the nation is a thousand years old and never had that in it. But if you believe this bullshit of decline, then you actually fulfill, you fulfill, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The negative placebo effect of believing this decline, that you are weakened by it. You start acting as if there's a problem with the procedures and you stop acting like the Englishman. We're being ruled by a propositional understanding of what made us great was a map that all looks red, where a bunch of trading posts were, and a bunch of protectorates were, the pride is in the wrong thing. Are the patterns of action meeting their outcome? Are the facing of the unknown, is that still happening? When people do act like Englishmen, does that still work? Brexit proves the spirit's still alive, and the power's still alive. Out of all the nations of Europe, Ireland tried voted to leave when they had a referendum there. I think there's another nation that voted to leave. 
but the only nation that had the strength to, that had the whole international com community attacking the, the English Brexit voter, trying to overturn the thing, and yet still it happened, and yet resisted. The Kingdom of England, though, is real in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, because that's where the English went and set up a place. And it was called the Kingdom of England. There was no one called India the Kingdom of England. You might say there's a contradiction in what I'm saying here, that there's no empire. Yet I'm also saying there's a Kingdom of England. Colonies are part of. It's an extension of England, culture-wise. Obviously, it's not ruled from above, so it's not an empire. And with home rule, it never was. This Roman Empire took over, well, by conquest, they were already nations. They had kings, they had cultures. Canada, Australia, the people is still the same. And with a globalised society, there's no new isolation going to form a new culture. The Union Jacks on the flag. These are English, it's the extension of England. And that's why I don't include anything else, like South Africa or whatnot, because that's obviously not an English culture dominant. It's, it's other cultures. India either, I don't include, of course. In terms of a realm, a spiritual thing, a people, it's really one people. And they should be able to return, make their pilgrimage. The priors haven't changed, and Kipling talked about this. So I'll just read this uh, Rudyard Kipling. I'm going to read two things. One is about the uh, American couple coming to England. But this is called The Recall, this one. I am the land of their fathers, in me the virtue stays. I will bring back my children after certain days. Under their feet in the grasses, my clinging magic runs. They shall return as strangers, they shall return as sons. Over their heads in the branches of the new-bought ancient trees, I weave an incantation and draw them to my knees. Scent of smoke in the evening, smell of rain in the night, the hours, the days, and the seasons, order their souls all right. Till I make plain the meaning of all my thousand years, till I fill their hearts with knowledge, while I fill their eyes with tears. So that speaks of England. When you come back, the spirit is still within you. You think you're strangers, but you're still sons, and you see it. And the next one I'm going to read also shows this idea which Kipling felt himself in his being. So there's this story that Kipling has a novel about, and it's this American couple who... Uh, wander away from America and they're looking for a place to settle and they go around Europe and they don't feel, no place feels like home. They, get, they, they eventually arrive in England, start looking into the, the past of the histories of where, looking around the place and the, they feel more, more drawn to the place. They feel more and more drawn to the place, <clears throat> this estate they've discovered and they decide to buy it. And in the, in, in the past of doing the place up in, in the local community, looking around and doing up the gardens and fixing up this old house that they bought, bring the house back to its former glory. And eventually, they find on the wall a strange script, a carving. And what she realizes is that the house they've bought was owned by her ancestors, and it's her family crest. And she's come back by instinct, back to the place of her home, back to where the spirit's from, and settled there, where they came from, of course, which is a natural bond and the natural value hierarchy they're sensing in the place and they have a child and put down their roots back home and settle into the custom of the land that they came from. Scalia, the Supreme Court judge, and, and the, the French that, were, that he was studying there kept saying no. He kept getting annoyed that they kept saying Anglo-Saxon culture and saying America was that. And then he ended up going to England 
And he said instantly, compared to all the other European places, he felt at home. And he was, I think he says in this interview, he's like, hey, I'm an Italian guy. My name's Scalia. I'm American as a Mexican guy. But the common culture's English. Hey. <laughs> Basically saying he's Italian-American, but he's English. That's the truth of it. After World War II, what happened was groups of elites from abroad, international elites, were adamant because they wanted to be the new empire of course they looked at england as something they needed to dismantle when they changed the law fundamentally instead of kingdom of england they said kingdoms so it dismantled well in law at least not in truth the kingdom of england between australia canada and new zealand they dismantled that because elites pressured them not because anyone wanted it or asked for it if people had wanted it and asked for it they would have done it it's kipling his last public speech was to these Canadian students. He said, you mustn't consider England as a foreign place. Is it Canada is much a possession of England as England is a possession of Canada. It means the people here. Is it may you be welcome and may your children be welcome too. He's saying you own it. It's yours as much as it is his and the people that live there. He also spoke in this speech. I can't remember the exact speech, but he was speaking to Canadian authors. He said, it took him a long time to understand this, but he, when he was touring Canada, that he understood that, that their mighty missions, that he possessed it, it was his like it was theirs, because their values are the same. Because just like the old country was theirs, their achievements were his because they were enacting the value hierarchy and possessed the same will to go out there into the world and act like their forefathers had. None of that had changed. And so we were united in that fact. And we still are. Who didn't feel pride for the Canadians when they went and protested? The truckers. They are the, the who's a chads. Northerners, basically. Truth tellers. Working class people. Truckers. Honest folk. That was English culture right there. Robin Hood. And I felt their achievement. But they want to disconnect us. And they've been working on this for a long time. It's the Labour Party, it's this idea of, it's elites, it's elites in these places that try to do this, the people never want it. Or they're convinced by some bullshit campaign of progress, and the longer this goes on, the more disconnected it becomes, and this multinationalism. There were groups in Canada that used to be called the Sons of England, people were assert asserting this. You need to bring that back in Australia as well. The St George Society, these things used to exist, to assert, no, this is the culture of the place. Here's what we are, and, and a lobby group, if you like. The thing that made us great to begin with was the patterns of action. You are your forefathers when you enact them. You wear them. People did mighty things because of this culture. You don't get to be proud of it, though, unless you're embracing it. You don't get to sit in your room and say, oh, we're a great, we're, we're a great empire, or we were, and have the positive emotion of that, because you didn't do any of it. But you get to identify with it, of course, if you're enacting the same procedures as your forefathers. You're participating in it. You're a part of the tradition, and therefore you can be proud of it. All the stuff you didn't do, because you're doing the same things that they did. Therefore, you can feel proud of all the other things that procedure has been successful at. Of course, you, you can do it unconsciously because of what you've absorbed from your father as well. But don't assume that you have. If you live the way of life, and you value what they value, then you can be proud of it. Dare greatly to believe. God save the king. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next time.